Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America Podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody Award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Great America Show. The 2021 November elections produced, as you probably noticed, a seismic shock to the Democratic Party in the sway of the Marxist left, the Biden White House, and radical Dems on Capitol Hill, who unleashed a campaign to seize control of public education and, in effect, prepare the way forward for the federal government, those wonderful teachers' unions, and yes, the Marxist left, to control the education of all students and push aside parents, their rights, push aside local school boards and local communities to determine who will be teaching our children and what they will be taught. Virginia's gubernatorial Democratic candidate, Terry McAuliffe, actually told Virginia voters before the election that their schools had too many white teachers, that he didn't believe parents should actually be telling schools what they should teach and how. And in choosing governor-elect Glenn Youngkin, they announced what will likely be a nationwide rollback of critical race theory and the effort to replace parents with the state. Joining us now to take up the role of CRT and the role of the Marxist left and their efforts to indoctrinate our students, we're joined by an outstanding journalist who's been amongst the leaders in reporting the impact of CRT whether in schools or business or in government. Christopher Rufo. Chris, great to have you with us. Is CRT now being pushed not only through some government agencies, but public education? And who is winning this battle over, over CRT? Yeah, absolutely. It's something that, uh, while it originated in law schools, has now filtered down to K-12 through schools. And uh, as I've reported throughout this year, uh, dozens of different stories where these really horrible principles of race essentialism, a collective guilt, dividing students uh, into categories of oppressor and oppressed based on their uh, skin color, uh, is now becoming more and more common, not only in big blue city districts like in San Francisco and New York and Seattle, uh, but in places you wouldn't expect in the American heartland in red states. Because it's become the default ideology of so many of our public institutions, and while I would like to think uh, that the tide has turned in the last year, we're facing some a serious uphill battle uh, because it's become extremely entrenched, uh, and they have billions of dollars in public funding uh, to play with the ideology and the curriculum in so many of our schools. When you say the money to play, what... What do you mean, play? Because uh, parents listening to us, uh, grandparents, uh, 
and I hope a lot of students as well, are understandably confused about all of the terminology, uh, about who is behind this wave of uh, energy behind uh, what is a Marxist philosophy, clearly uh, being pushed by, once we thought they were neoliberals, but it looks like they're old-time Marxists working very hard to take down our traditional institutions and values. Well, you have to really start at the beginning is what are the origins of critical race theory and how does it move through our institutions? And it's a really kind of ironic twist. You have a revolutionary ideology that is actually publicly subsidized and publicly financed. It began in the universities, uh, the big state schools, which are publicly funded, as well as the elite private schools, which are publicly subsidized to the tune of billions of dollars a year. Uh, and then this philosophy emerges in the late 1980s and early 1990s, and then it finds places and new institutions to colonize. And it's most successfully moved from uh, law schools to the university system to graduate schools of education, and now to K through 12 schools and departments of so-called diversity, equity, and inclusion that have become cemented in the bureaucracies in uh, most school districts and many state agencies. And so what you have is an ideology that is a creature of taxpayer money. Uh, it lives through taxpayer subsidies and then extends itself through the organs of state bureaucracies where it's unaccountable to the market. And it's increasingly unaccountable to voters who in many cases uh, don't approve these things directly. There's just part of this endless creep of bureaucratic authority that always cements its own power first and foremost. And so what you have is a ideology emerging from universities that is now provides two things to the public school systems. One, it provides uh, a sense of purpose that is uh, much easier than the traditional goals of education uh, to get people through basic literacy and then basic uh, preparation for citizenship, which for decades our schools, especially in the big inner cities, have failed to do. Uh, and so this provides them an alternate framework that isn't based on merit or academic excellence or accomplishment or even basic literacy. It's based on politics. And then it also serves to shift the blame elsewhere. Uh, you have these bloated public school bureaucracies that in some cases uh, fail to educate in basic reading, writing, and math more than 80% of their students in a place like Philadelphia or Buffalo. They adopt this ideology to excuse their own failures to educate and shift the blame to abstract forces like systemic racism. And so that's the territory that we have now. That's what's happening. We have the ideology entrenched in its power through bureaucracy. Uh, we're exposing it. We've done a great job at doing that. Uh, but we need to take the next step and show how parents can push back against it in local school districts and at the state level. You know, it's interesting to me, Chris, that what we have not heard, uh, we've heard a great deal from the Biden administration, from the government, uh, from our federal government in particular, but it's also, as you say straight out, uh, it's also now a creature of our public education system at the local level. The administrative state in all its uh, levels of bureaucracy has really taken hold of this and is a force that is financed by the very people who are right now passive victims uh, to this onslaught of Marxist ideology, uh, critical race theory, and, and the absolute despicable uh, attack 
on uh, cherished American values and all of the all of the premises by which this great country, uh, whether it be through immigration and assimilation, a melting pot, whether it be through a middle class that was born of hard work and and without question, uh, great opportunity that's being now denied the very people who are taking on the the chore of delivering an entirely different political and economic system. That's right. You have at the basis of this ideology um, a, a complete and explicit rejection of the founding principles of the country. Uh, they say that the Declaration was a document of hypocrisy uh, that preached equality but, uh, but was designed to distract from exploitation. Um, and you even have then uh, a, a critique, a very strong critique from the critical race theorists about the 14th Amendment, which after the Civil War guaranteed uh, equality under the law uh, to each individual uh, citizen, uh, which they reject as a kind of race neutral oppression in itself uh, that that sought to not provide equality, but to enshrine uh, inequality. And even the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which traditionally liberals have held uh, to be a mark uh, of progress towards uh, a system of codified law that that d- stops racial discrimination, um, the critical race theorists reject uh, as a false uh, or fake uh, or camouflage uh, that enables white supremacy and oppression, which they argue is just as bad now in 2021. Uh, as it was in 1921 or 1821. They believe that racism is the essence of this country, that it's unchanging, that it's uh, dominant across every institution, and therefore their program, uh, which they don't always admit in such stark terms, but it's there in the literature that they've created over the last three decades, uh, is to uh, eliminate uh, or abolish all of the systems from the Constitution uh, to our economic system of capitalism to the legal system that guarantees individual rights in favor of a collectivist uh, and a race-based form uh, of of neo-Marxism. This is the goal, and they believe that the strategy to achieving it is to soften the consciousness of the public through the education system. Uh, softening the minds of young people uh, to this revolutionary ideology so that when they become of age, they're thoroughly uh, uh, jaded and, and, and desperate and willing to topple the system uh, at the root, uh, at the level of its deepest foundations. And the parents themselves are, are, are being criminalized for their concerns and fears about how their children are being taught and what they're being taught about what is an assault on their minds. Uh, you talk uh, about the effort by these uh, Marxists, uh, these uh, CRT advocates uh, to soften the minds of our children. Uh, it's really as well desensitizing their minds and turning them from, from objective education and uh, to something of indoctrination, uh, radicalization, and social activism at some level, uh, even in a sixth grade class. It's, it's really stunning stuff. And they're getting away with it. Uh, take note that the Justice Department, the Attorney General saying that there will be investigations of parents who threaten school boards 
quote unquote, threatened. There, I haven't seen a single uh, substantial uh, evidence of a actual threat against a school board, a physical threat uh, being carried out, let alone uh, being uh, articulated uh, in a credible way. Uh, have you? Well, I've looked through the documents from the National School Boards Association and the Department of Justice, and there was one incident in Illinois of a uh, someone attending a, a school board meeting, getting into a scuffle, uh, and then committing a simple battery uh, in this process of being uh, taken out of the of the room. And we should condemn this. There should be no violence of any kind at school board meetings within our institutions. Um, but this is one example from 14,000 school districts that have had tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of school board meetings uh, this year. It doesn't in any way represent a threat of domestic terrorism or a widespread threat of violence uh, at the school boards. Uh, it's being used rather as a pretext to suppress parents to silence dissent uh, and to really push forward this idea that yeah. was even published recently in the Washington Post. Parents do not have a right to guide their kids' education in the public school system. They're out and out saying it now, uh, that they believe that parents are an impediment to the total control by bureaucrats. And this unfortunately isn't anything new. They may be saying it out loud right now, uh, but this has been a theme in uh, Marxist literature dating back 150 years. They see the nuclear family, uh, they see uh, 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 fatherhood, um, they see the the structure of, of, of the family itself as an impediment to their ideology, as an impediment to their revolution. And so it's by no surprise that they believe that the state through the public schools should be the primary shaping factor uh, in a child's development. And that's where the fight is, because thankfully, American parents are standing up and they're saying, uh, we reject this. Uh, we are the ultimate authority over our children's uh, development. Uh, and we do not accept this extraordinary overreach uh, uh, and indoctrination by a state entity that we no longer trust and we no longer believe is serving the best interests of our kids. To me, it's it's interesting, Chris, that local school boards are elected. Uh, they represent the the community, and they are being shunned by the school bureaucracy. Uh, that is the superintendents, the uh, principals, the administrative staff, as well as the two powerful teachers unions, uh, the Federation of Teachers and the NEA. And they're getting away with it again with public public taxpayer dollars driving the entire operation. Uh, how does a community reclaim the power that is theirs under the Constitution, under law in this country to say parents will, by God, be given uh, their due and will be deciding what their children are taught and will be deciding who is doing the teaching. It's a question of uh, organization. And thankfully, we've had some shining examples in recent months that show us exactly the path forward for parents uh, to reclaim authority over the public schools and then uh, reestablish accountability within these organizations. 
and parents from California to New York State uh, to the state of Texas have organized at the grassroots level, have come together with a, even a small group, 5, 10, 20, 100 people, uh, showed up at school board meetings, let their positions be known, uh, demanding change and accountability. And if when that's not been delivered, uh, they've successfully, for example, in Westchester County, uh, toppled the super, superintendent, uh, actually advocated for uh, removal of superintendents and achieved it. Uh, or in Texas, parents who have never been politically active had said, uh, you know what, enough is enough. We're running for school board. They overthrew the, the existing school board leadership. They're now reforming those institutions. So it's not just that, that we have as citizens uh, a right to guide, shape, and, and control our public institutions. We actually have a duty to participate, and the public institutions will seek their own way and their own sovereignty and their own domination over the public unless the public spends a, a significant amount of energy engaging in the democratic process, organizing at the school board level, running for office when it's necessary, and then making a very uh, clear line in the sand. If you transgress our, our values, if you abuse our kids, uh, we will hold you accountable, we'll remove you from office, and we will replace you with people who uh, reflect the virtues that we want to transmit through our institutions. And what I'm seeing now is a awakening across the country of parents who are sick of the bureaucracy deciding what happens to their kids, and they're taking control of these systems, uh, reforming them for the good, uh, and letting uh, letting these uh, bureaucrats know uh, there is a, a line that you shall not cross, or we will replace you. And compounding the complexity of this uh, this conflict is corporate America and, and the place of business which has traditionally been conservative, which has traditionally been behind the parents of the community and the traditional values in our school systems and all of the other institutions. But now, suddenly business is moving left. Uh, it's confronted with corporate community responsibilities, whether it be uh, equity and uh, inclusion and diversity, uh, whatever it may be, they're having a lot of material that is Marxist, uh, shoved down their throats. The, the National Chamber of Commerce, the Business Roundtable, are in league through their HR departments, through their lobbying efforts with the left on all of this, political correctness, mandates, you name it. They do not look anything like a conservative group of uh, businesses anymore and companies. They look more like left-wing organizations that just happened to be a, a, an enterprise. Your thoughts? Well, I think this is, again, a, a question of organization. If you think about uh, a, a CEO of a Fortune 100 company, they get a lot of pressure from the media and from activists on the left uh, to do their bidding, to follow the orthodoxies of, of political correctness or identity politics. And they don't have a similar pressure from the right. But we know, and even through some of my own reporting on these companies, right. we know that when we exert a countervailing pressure, we can have influence. Uh, I reported on a egregious uh, so-called anti-racism program at Disney uh, that taught employees that America was fundamentally racist and that they should atone for their internalized racial guilt. 
within 72 hours, the company uh, nuked the program from their internal servers completely. Um, I reported on American Express uh, and forced the CEO of the company to be personally responding to emails for a few days, uh, defending the policy from angry customers. So we know, even through this small example, I can only do so much within my own individual power. But we know that if we can replicate this on a bigger scale, conservatives can uh, can leverage uh, their voice, can leverage their dollars, can leverage their uh, their power uh, to provide a counterbalancing force. And and I think people, frankly, conservatives have rested on their laurels, believing that business was always on their side. That's changed, uh, and I think that we need to readjust our strategy accordingly. Yeah, complicating the matter, as I said, uh, corporate America. Uh, which has always been, if you will, uh, the critics would say, in league uh, with the country club Republicans, or as I would call them, rhinos, uh, Republicans in name only, are trying to create a, a, a new image of themselves going into the 22 elections, that they're the party of working men and women, uh, as Donald Trump, President Trump, uh, led them forward to victory in 2016. But the truth of the matter is that Republicans in name only, the establishment Republican Party is in league with the same corporations, the same mindsets, and the same administrative state or deep state in most cases uh, that are creating these uh, these issues, these conflicts, uh, and not only financing, but in some cases uh, enabling the assault on fundamental values and the fundamental way of life in this country. It, it is. I mean, it, it is an absolutely uh, uphill battle. We're up against the most powerful institutions uh, in the country that seem to be working together and playing from the same playbook. Uh, but ultimately, we have to be optimistic because the vast mass of the American people uh, still believes in the country. Uh, they still believe in our uh, possibility, uh, and they still believe in those principles of uh, strong families, of uh, uh, citizen control of public institutions, uh, and a, a continuing unfolding of our national story towards those great principles of freedom and equality. And so we have to appeal to and mobilize this great base of the American people. And ultimately, I'm confident because uh, we've seen, even in the last year, some major changes. Because even though we're up against institutions of great power, uh, the truth that we have, the truth that we've exposed, uh, can topple uh, these paper tigers that rule the bureaucracies uh, throughout our country. Uh, and I know that if enough of us, even a small band of us, uh, can come together, we can speak the truth, uh, we can remain uh, fearless in the face of power, um, we can topple them, uh, we can restore power back to the American citizen, uh, and we can tame uh, these, these, these tyrannical bureaucratic authorities uh, that threaten the American way of life. And like you, I'm an optimist. I know we can do this. And when I say we, I'm talking about the American people, working men and women and their families, small business people can take control of their communities and 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 eliminate uh, this assault, uh, I, I think absolutely uh, rid it, not just simply push it back, but destroy it. 
And that's really, that is really the, the mission before us. Encouragingly, a, a recent poll uh, showed that three quarters, almost three quarters of parents surveyed are very concerned and disturbed by what is being taught in their children's uh, schools. And I, I haven't seen a more encouraging poll on this issue uh, in the last decade. And that, I think, should give everyone great, uh, great hope and, and considerable excitement to join the fight and to be certain uh, for your children, your grandchildren, uh, that we win this fight. That's right. We're seeing this, uh, these new numbers coming in. I mean, people really care. And I think, you know, it's one thing for the public to see uh, some identity politics nonsense at the university or the federal government. Uh, it, you can shake that off. It doesn't affect you directly. But once people have woken up to the fact that the state bureaucracies and the critical race ideologues are actually going after your kids, uh, are going after the most vulnerable and impressionable members of our society. Uh, they crossed a line that is uh, sacred to uh, almost everyone in this country. You're trying to separate or create a wedge between parent and child. That's why we're seeing these numbers. That's why we're seeing people uh, awakening. Uh, that's why we're seeing people who have previously been apathetic or disengaged starting to participate in the political process. And, and I'm confident that this is just the beginning. Uh, we've opened up a new domain for uh, politics. We've opened up uh, the eyes of millions of people. Uh, and as they get engaged this year and next year, I think we're going to see tremendous changes. I'm optimistic. I'm confident. Uh, and I'm hoping that this is only uh, the beginning of a long process of uh, restoring uh, the, the autonomy and sovereignty and authority of American families of all racial backgrounds, of all political stripes, uh, against this cruel and, and dehumanizing uh, state machine. I've always believed, Chris, that our public education system, I'm a product of public education, uh, as is my wife, uh, and our children went to public schools. It is the great equalizer in our society. I don't think there's a stronger force for equality in this country than public education. It's given poor people an opportunity to demonstrate their talent and their ability uh, to be rewarded with opportunity for over 200 years. And to watch what we are letting happen uh, to this great public education system is disgusting. Uh, and, and in some cases, it's because of overly powerful Teachers Union, the NAA, or the uh, Federation of Teachers, uh, also the National uh, School Board Association. It really works as a proxy for both uh, of those left-wing uh, teachers unions, too often against the school board uh, in lobbying and in representing uh, the issues uh, in, on Capitol Hill. We have to be very, very sophisticated and understand uh, who the who the enemies are in this fight and make certain that we bring them to heel. Uh, you get the last word here, Chris. I think you're absolutely right. What we're seeing in our country is uh, many institutions that have been corrupted. I think teachers unions uh, in, at the highest position among them and conservatives need to be 
exactly that, sophisticated in how we fight, uh, sophisticated in our language that we use to fight, uh, and sophisticated in our strategies to uh, undermine and, and disrupt the power of these institutions that aren't serving the public good. Uh, and I think we go straight for the teachers unions, uh, which create a cycle of corruption, uh, which don't put students and families first. Uh, and we start there, and we've already seen encouraging signs. We've actually shattered the National School Boards Association in recent months. Uh, we now have divided their state from their national organizations. We have state organizations that have denounced the national headquarters, st entire states that have separated from the national organization. Uh, it's splintering because we put the spotlight on them. We've exposed their corruption, and we've hammered at them every day. Uh, and so this is a model going forward. Uh, in this great uh, fight, this great quest uh, to bring the teachers unions to heal and eventually abolish them from American life. And to win this fight, we're very fortunate to have Chris, uh, Chris Rufo in the fight. He's been leading the fight uh, for years, and uh, we owe you a great, uh, a great debt of gratitude. And as always, Chris, great talking with you. I hope you'll come back soon. And again, thanks for all you're doing for the American people and the American way. Chris Rufo. No one is more keenly aware of the challenges this nation faces as a result of the Biden runaway immigration policies in the Biden wide open border than Mark Morgan. Mark was the director of immigration and border enforcement in the Department of Homeland Security in the Trump administration. Mark is a lawyer. He served in the Marine Corps Reserves worked in law enforcement, had a distinguished career in the Federal Bureau of Investigation, and is currently a fellow at the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Mark, great to have you with us. Uh, let's start with the this record level of uh, illegal immigrants being uh, crossing our border, uh, the largest number since the amnesty of 1986. How could this be? How could we see, once again, a return to open borders? Well, Lou, first of all, actually, I, I think it even, it's uh, numbers that are worse uh, past 1986. I think we're on track right now, 1.9 million total encounters. My records reflect that's the highest number on history. And look, it's clear why we're here. This administration, with a stroke of a political pen, dismantled every effective tool, authority, and policy we have, opened our borders, and sent a clear message to the migrants and smugglers our borders were, in fact, wide open, and they took up on it. And that's why we've seen uh, the numbers we have. And Luke, what, it's, it's not just about how many were apprehended. Let's talk about 400,000 Godways. Let's talk about of those that have been apprehended, 600,000 have been released into the interior United States. This is a catastrophe impacting every aspect of our public safety, health, and national security. It's being released, just simply let go uh, to do as they please within American society without any oversight, without any accountability, without any restriction whatsoever, right? That's exactly, Lou, you're absolutely correct. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, and in fact, it's even worse than that. And I mean, so that we know that they, they stopped the Remain in Mexico program, so they reinstituted catch and release. So as you described, is exactly what's happening. It's worse, and then they get rewarded because on the back end, this sec Secretary Mayorkas, he's actually, I mean, he's systematically dismantled ICE and reduced their ability for interior enforcement by 90%. So even if you're here illegally, that's not enough to remove you. If you have a court order uh, removal from a judge, not enough to remove you, according to this secretary. 
it's absolutely insane what's happening. And as the Secretary uh, of Homeland Security, he is, uh, he was put through without a problem. There wasn't such, there wasn't anyone seemingly, whether Republican or Democrat, uh, conservative or liberal, taking note of the fact that Mayorkas is one of the most uh, uh, influential uh, and hyper act activists uh, and to advance uh, amnesty for illegal immigrants and for open borders. And there wasn't even a hesitation in, in his nomination process. Yeah, that's right. And I got to tell you, Lou, I, I, I have to be honest, I was fooled to some extent as well. You know, I was chief of the Border Patrol when he was the deputy secretary of uh, DHS. And the man that, that we see before us now as the secretary, I don't know who this man is. Um, the, the man that, that I, I knew before was at least someone that I, I did not agree with his policies, but I, I did not think that he was dishonest and would intentionally uh, align, mislead the American people to advance a, a socialist and democratic agenda. But that's what we have in this secretary right now. Uh, you and I talk, you know, Del Rio, as, as, as thousands and thousands are, are going back and forth to the shared borders at will, the secretary was doubling down on the borders are closed. It's an absolute lie. He knows it's a lie, and the American people know he's lying. And the national news media, of course, uh, is doing what they've always done, which is ignore the reality of the impact of illegal immigration and to ignore the uh, hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants cro crossing into the United States. As you say, uh, perhaps as high as two million illegal immigrants uh, in this country uh, in fiscal uh, 2021. Yeah, look, again, you're absolutely correct. I mean, look, uh, until Del Rio, and don't get me wrong, I, I don't wish Del Rio would have happened. I mean, we actually saw what looked like a third world country under that bridge in our country. It was horrendous and it was horrific. But if it had not been for that, the mainstream media up until then, there was basically zero coverage. As we were seeing 200,000 plus every 30 days illegally entering this board, uh, uh, this the, our borders, every single tool dismantled, the wall stopped being built, Indian catch and release, and flying migrants all over the United States in the cover of darkness. The media doesn't mention a word about that until Del Rio. It, they, when they finally had to mention it, when they when they finally had to realize that it, it's a catastrophe that's happening on our borders. Well, Mark, let, let's let's just examine a few things. Uh, and let's start with something that the national left-wing media will not cover, and the corporate, uh, the corpocracy of this country will not uh, get involved in. How many illegal immigrants actually are in the United States? Yeah, so that, that that's a varying number. I, I've heard the number 14 million used a lot. But Lou, you and I know they've been using that number for about two decades, Right. So I, I think the number is way higher than that. Uh, there, there have been you know, some, some analysis that said it's in excess of 20 million that are here in this country illegally. And what I know is this administration in just the past nine months have had, uh, you know, either intentionally or because of the open borders, added another million uh, to that. And that's just on our border. And that's not counting uh, overstays of visas. I mean, right. it's, it's absolutely horrific. And we just heard the story of a, a visa overstay that's been charged with uh, a, a rape on a subway. It's just unbelievable. It's also, to me, unbelievable that still the United States government does not report honestly the numbers of illegal immigrants in this country. 
the Commerce Department doesn't do it for business. Uh, business uh, is absolutely part of the problem. A complicit actor working with the left, uh, with uh, actually uh, foreign organizations and governments to bring in illegal immigrant labor. And the American people, the American taxpayer, a working man and woman and his family haven't got a chance because no one is representing them on the issue, irrespective of the damage that's done to the economy. And estimates on that in, run to $116 billion. That's huge. And that's a, an outrage. And yet you can't get the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, certainly, to even focus on the reality. Yeah, well, again, I, I think that's spot on. Look, if, if, if they really wanted to, they would be able to find out exactly how many illegal aliens are in this country. I completely agree. And you and I talked over the years multiple times. Look, as is, is, is horrible as the, the Democratic Party is right now with, with uh, uh, border security, illegal immigration, it's not solely the Democrats' fault. This is a Republican no. and Democrat issue. Look, under Trump administration, the Republicans had the House, uh, the, the, the Senate, and the White House for two years, and they failed to pass a single piece of meaningful legislation. And Lou, had they done so, had they done so, we would not be in this position right now where through DHS policy and executive orders, we've devastated our border and made our country less safe because of it. So this is a Republican failure as well. Uh, without question. And I, it's interesting the way the media is covering this uh, issue. Uh, the New York Times, uh, with a huge uh, article, uh, reporting, quote, Trump's Pentagon chief quashed idea to send 250,000 troops to the border. This was a major, major uh, report in the New York Times uh, in which they referred to top national security aides to President Trump talking out of launching military raids against drug cartels inside Mexico. There isn't a single discussion in this of the economic impact the reality, it's a mocking and sneering report, uh, I, I obviously, about uh, the, the top echelons of the, of the Trump administration. And they knocked, yeah, down, they knocked down their own report three pages into that report uh, when they acknowledge uh, at least uh, Chad Wolf, the former acting head of, uh, of Homeland Security, says, I never saw any numbers approaching that. It never rose to his level. So he knocked down the entire story, and yet they they pushed this stuff out. Yeah, that's exactly right. Look, as CBP, I, I if if there would have been a specific number of military personnel, for example, requested, um, I I would have known about it because that would have come from me on my signature. And there was no such formal request that was put forward. Look, I, I don't want to go too uh, in depth into specific conversations, but it, I mean, look, it, it's just common sense that of course we were having conversations about what we could do and needed to do to gain operational control all uh, along all two thousand miles. So were we engaged with the military on that? Of course we were. We already had thousands of military, both National Guard and Reserves, that were there helping us out. And we were continuing to have discussions on what else we needed. What I can tell and I'm comfortable saying is there was absolute resistance at the Pentagon uh, by some key individuals uh, with respect to uh, deploying any more military personnel to the border, which I just found uh, um, just truly remarkable, knowing how it was impacted every aspect of our public health, safety, and national security. 
when you have a, a the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff who's willing to call the communist uh, uh, Chinese to tell them that the president would be considering an attack on them, uh, you, you've just about gone the whole distance, haven't you? I, I, yeah. I mean, there, that's more than resistance. That is that rises to the level of treason for crying out loud. Uh, and the idea, the arrogance of a guy like uh, General Milley uh, to do such a thing and saying he would do it again uh, is it's stunning because the reality is for a period of time, we did not have civilian control of our military, a direct violation of everything the country stands for and our constitution. Yeah, Lou, I tell you what, what I found troubling was some of the resistance that you know, I experienced, uh, uh, like like so much of where the Democratic Party is, even the resistance from the military, it defied uh, the reality and truth on the ground and, and the importance of having borders. Um, I, I was astounded by we would present certain facts, and I still had um, that resistance coming forward. And I really believed at the end of the day, it wasn't based, based on fact and reality. It was based on ideologic uh, positions. And, and I found that troubling. I, I'm just stunned. And I've covered this issue for many, many years. But to see what has happened in the Biden administration is just stunning because he's doing exactly what President Trump warned he would do. Uh, and that is absolutely nothing to preserve the integrity, the security of our borders and to shut down illegal immigration. We, we learn right now uh, that uh, another caravan is... Yep being put together in Mexico to come on up and no one will stop it. No one. Yep. Yeah. Lou, you, remember you, you and I were, were talking, you know, last year in 2020, uh, well before the election. And, you know, I, I remember I was on your show and I remember distinctly us talking about it where I said, Hey, look, um, there's no doubt if, if, if the Biden administration does what they're saying they're going to be, be uh, doing during the campaign, you're going to see a catastrophe happen along our southwest border that makes what we experienced in 2019 pale in comparison. Fast forward, and that's exactly what they've done. And it was some have said, hey, uh, you know, they don't know what they're doing. They don't have a plan or strategy. I completely disagree. They're actually executing their strategy exactly what they want. Wow. They want to have open borders. They see a perceived political benefit. They believe that every illegal alien they find a pathway to citizenship is going to equate to a Democratic vote. This is about America last and the Democratic Party first. Look, as, as we're experiencing the worst illegal immigration crisis in our nation's history, they're trying to jam through mass amnesty through the reconciliation through the parliamentary process, which they know is against policy and I believe unconstitutional. So uh, you're right. Your word is right. It is Stunning. The, Mark, the, the former President Barack Obama, speaking of stunning, actually came out and said that the current Biden border policies and immigration policies, such as they are, simply are not sustainable. This yep. is President Obama, who was a, an open borders amnesty president himself. And That's he right. is saying that this president has gone too far, has done too little to preserve the integrity of the nation, the security of the American people. And if we've reached the point where Barack Obama has to acknowledge that reality and warn, warn Democrats of that uh, reality, we really have reached a new level. Uh, Lou, I, I couldn't agree more. And and all, all you to add to that, I completely agree, is, is the former Secretary of, of uh, 
uh, Homeland Security under President Obama, Jay Johnson, came out and basically said the same thing, that's unsustainable. It's absolutely right. And I think this dovetails in, there's a large swath of America now that is, is like, okay, enough is enough. The Democrats overplay their hand again and again and again. And I think what they did in Afghanistan, at the same time we were seeing what was happening in Del Rio, I think the American people have, have really woken up and said, no, this, this, is, this is insane, enough is enough. And I think they finally realized that Secretary Mayorkas is lying to them. Everything that comes out of that man's mouth about border security and illegal immigration is a lie. He's standing there as 30,000 Haitians come across the border at will, unimpeded, and he says the borders are closed, along with 400,000 illegal aliens have broken in and gotten past an invaded apprehension. It, it, it's, he's it, just lying to the American people, Lou. And as we look at the numbers uh, that go beyond illegal immigration, as if they're not bad enough, uh, drug overdoses, whether yeah. it be fentanyl, whether it be uh, cocaine or heroin, have skyrocketed as a result of the drug traffic across that southern border. And the American people aren't even being told what's happening and how dreadful that, that tragedy really is. We are losing uh, a million young people. Uh, every few years because yep. of the cartel drug traffic, the the international cartels that are bringing fentanyl from China. Uh, you know, we've we've watched uh, as a result of the pandemic, we've watched more than 700,000 Americans be killed. Uh, we have almost 100,000 killed by fentanyl uh, overdoses alone. The Chinese are targeting American lives, and this government isn't responding in any way. Your thoughts? Lou, this is why I love talking to you, Lou, because you know this, uh, uh, the, 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 these issues well. That's exactly right. That's why I keep saying this isn't about illegal immigration. This is about border security, of which illegal immigration is a subset. When you open your borders, though, up to one crisis or one threat, you're opening your borders up to the vast, complex set of threats like you just described, drugs pouring in this country. When you have 50 percent of your agents pull off the line, uh, really uh, giving up forcefully their national security role to be professional illegal alien facilitators in this country, the border is wide open. Criminal aliens are pouring in. Gang members are pouring in. Drugs are pouring in. And here's the key. It's not staying on the southwest border. All those threats, all those issues that come across our border are making their way to every town, city, and state, and they're making their way to your neighborhood. I don't. Whoever's listening here, if there's a meth overdose in your city or in town, I guarantee the meth came from the southwest border. We've got to wake up. We've got to hold this administration responsible. And 2022 matters. And as you said, uh, in, the, in the dead of night, the Biden administration flying children, uh, illegal immigrants, children to cities, New York City in particular, most recently uh, in the most recent report. And, and this is going on across the country. What it, in it, the it, world? How, how is he getting away with it? It, it, that's my question, too. Look, I, I think one of the obvious answers is, I mean, the mainstream media, t media today is just an extension of the Democratic Party. We know that. But look, the, the, when you talk about those flights, and this is common sense. First of all, because of open border policies and incentivizing, uh, by this fiscal year, 150,000 unaccompanied minors this year have illegal entered the country, Lou. 150,000. And look, why are they flying in the dead of the night? We know why. Because there's no perceived political benefit. If they thought there was a perceived political benefit, they'd be flying these kids in the middle of the day, broad daylight, and having ticker tape parade. But they know it's not. They know that it goes against what they're trying to do, and that's cover up 
the magnitude of the crisis that they created our, our, our border. That's why it's being done the dead of night in secrecy. The border patrolmen uh, and women themselves. Uh, what is what is their what is their attitude? How do they feel? Uh, is there such a thing as morale in a group that is being so, uh, I would think, uh, devastated uh, by leadership that is saying you're irrelevant and the security of the country is irrelevant? Yeah, Lou, they're they're devastated. I mean, they the, the, their own words. They say we have lost control of our border. I mean, you have a border patrol agent whose statutory mission is to protect this country from threats facing us outside our borders. And they say we've lost control of the border and they're devastated. And it goes beyond that. I mean, look, we all know about the issue with the horses and the reins. I mean, they have their own secretary, including the president of the United States, throw them under the bus, vilify them accuse them of stuff based based on no facts, vilify them, I, I mean, ruin, tarnish their careers and their reputations. Secretary Mayorkas, shame on him. He was a former prosecutor. He knows better. He, he acted as judge, jury, and executioner in the public without an ounce of due process to these men. And he threw them under the bus as, as he was also put in harm's way to try to address and mitigate the catastrophe that he created. It's horrific. And look, he he's lost all their trust and respect as well. When he keeps saying the borders are secure, Lou, you know, look, as law enforcement, it's so important that 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 that, that the, the, the troops on the ground have trust and faith in the leaders. There is no trust. There is no faith because they also know their secretary is lying to the American people about what's going on. The American people have sent a very clear signal through the latest polling showing that they absolutely do not respect this president do not have any trust, as you put it, or confidence in him. His approval ratings are absolutely upside down. Uh, you know, it's reaching toward 20% uh, upside down. That is more who disapprove of his uh, performance uh, than approve of it. This is, is something that has happened in the course of uh, really nine months, nine months of incompetence and deceit uh, and disregard for all of his and I mean all of his responsibilities as commander in chief and president of the United States. Well, I completely agree. And this, I'll go back to what I said before, is that I think the reason why you're seeing the poll is there's a lot of buyer's remorse. I think people are getting tired of, of uh, what's going on and the fact that that the progressive left has taken over the party and they've overplayed their hand again and again and again. I think the American people are, are getting more aware, more educated, and they're finally standing up saying enough is enough. What should what should we do to restore integrity in the security of our country, to to shut down the illegal immigration, drug and sex trafficking across that border, uh, and take control of our of our borders. Yeah, Lou, that's the question. And look, everybody keeps saying 2022 matters, including me. And that's right. But but that's not going to solve all the problems, especially. Look, I don't have a high level of confidence that even if the Republicans take back in the House and the Senate, that they're still going to get together and pass any meaningful legislation. They've already proven failure in that once. And so I, I'm still skeptical. But at least at least if we do get that back, we'll be able to slow things down. And so 2024 matters, definitely, who is in that White House. But in addition to that, right now, immediately, every day, the states are our last line of defense. 
You've got states like Missouri and Texas and Florida that are stepping up. Missouri and Texas have filed multiple lawsuits, and they're winning again and again and again. Had it not been for Texas and Missouri, uh, the Remain in Mexico program would, would still be uh, canceled. But the court said, no, you have to reinstate the Remain in Mexico program. Uh, so the states have to continue to push back, file lawsuits, and hold this administration accountable. There is success that's happening with that, and I believe there's additional opportunities that the states can do more. The states can do more, and what they're doing uh, is taking up the the responsibilities of the federal government when it comes right. to immigration and border security. Uh, we're asking an awful lot of Texas and uh, all of the border states. And by the way, at the same time, one border state has, according to the latest estimates, more than 6 million illegal immigrants in it alone. And I think the number uh, is at least twice that in the state of California. Your thoughts? No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I, I think the numbers are, are just astronomically higher than what's been reported for a very long time. And look, I, again, th this this is about border security first and foremost. And what happens at a border doesn't stay there. I, I, I've got to keep repeating that, Lou, because, uh, you know, a lot of Americans that are out there working hard, trying to put food on the table, pay their mortgage, if they don't see it right in front of them, they don't think it's impacting their town or their neighborhood. And I'm telling them it is. The drugs pouring in in your neighborhood come from the southwest border. Gangs in your city come from the southwest border. 400,000 gotaways among them are, are bad, bad people, Lou. That's the reality. And now the open border advocates are going to call me a racist and, and jump down uh, you know, my throat. Uh, but, but they're devoid of any truth and reality. Uh, this year alone, Border Patrol has operated 10,000 criminal aliens, including 53 convicted murderers. Of course, among that 400,000 are dangerous, bad people making their way to every town, city, and state. Every city and state in this country is dealing with the the crushing fiscal burden. Yes. Uh, the cost of educating and providing for the care of these illegal immigrants. It is also at the same time, and, and most people don't focus on this. Uh, our requirements are that we put forward a, 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 a representative in Congress uh, across all states based on population, not on citizens, not a count on citizens, but a count on people who live within the state and a district. And as a result, California is one of the most overrepresented states in the union because of the huge number of illegal immigrants uh, who live there and who are accepted and even encouraged to be there. But the same is true. You Illinois and other states across yep. the country. You're you're absolutely right. This is one of those other long-term plans by the Democratic Party is an increase in House seats because illegal aliens are counted on the census. You're absolutely right, Lou. So it, it's that uh, uh, hopefully a bump in House seats. Plus, they believe every illegal alien, uh, uh, alien they find a pathway to citizenship is going to be a Democratic vote. Again, this is about perpetual power for the Democratic Party. This is not about what's in the best interest of, of this country. And look, I, I, there's no other conclusion. I've been serving this country for 35 years, six administrations, both Republican and Democrat. And what they're doing right now absolutely is nonsensical, irrational, and filled with hypocrisy. And it makes no other sense than this is about the political power of the Democrats and not this country. And definitely an assault on the fundamental values and everything this country stands for. Uh, it is a sad and dangerous time. We thank you, uh, Mark, for being with us as always. Uh, always, uh, we learned something about these critical issues from you. And you're a good friend and a great American. We appreciate all of your work.
hard work and sacrifice to serve the nation. You too, Lou. Thank you. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.